The Paso County DEC is providing this podcast as a public service in order to let you know more about the issues and ideas which Democrats have identified as being very important for voters and also to provide a forum for Democratic candidates for office. Our podcasts are open to anyone interested in how Pasco Democrats are dealing with the important issues of the day. You can check out our PascoDems.com website and also on Facebook, Pasco Dems, and the views expressed by the guest and host on our podcast are their own. Not the views of the Pasco County Democratic Executive Committee. In the first podcast on news, we looked at media literacy and fake news and how to spot it, some types of media bias and how to spot it, some reliable sources and types of media dis- and misinformation. Finding the truth seems to be a never-ending battle, and some citizens may wonder if the truth is really worth it. Today, we shall look at social media and its enormous impact on the lives of most users. Media literacy is very important in the social media world. Without it, we face the prospect of everything from basic reliability to downright lies and falsehoods. But first, let's look at something that happened way back in 1938. Americans had had home radio for about 15 years and were used to getting programs of comedy, drama, sports, and news from it. It was a mainstay for many Americans suffering in the Depression. On the evening of October 30, 1938, radio listeners across the U.S. heard a startling report of mysterious creatures and terrifying war machines moving toward New York City. But the hair-raising broadcast was not a real news bulletin. It was Orson Welles' adaptation of the H.G. Wells classic, The War of the Worlds. That broadcast has become famous for convincing some of its listeners that a Martian invasion was actually taking place due to the breaking news style of storytelling employed in the first half of the show. Although the program included a reminder at intermission, it was an hour-long show, and at the intermission it was a dramatization, thousands of anxious and confused listeners believed it was real. They besieged police departments, newspapers, and CBS with phone calls. There's a picture that was in one of the newspapers the next day that showed a fellow, uh, a guy named William Dock, age 76, standing ready with his trusty shotgun to ward off the attack of any strange creatures from Mars who were supposed to have landed in Grover's Mill during the invasion of the country. Now let's fast forward to 85 years to what happened on November 22nd, just a couple of weeks ago. FBI says a vehicle explosion at Rainbow Bridge in New York wasn't a terrorist attack. The sight seemed unbelievable. A speeding car became airborne, crashed, and burst into flames near the U.S.-Canada border. Two people were killed and another was injured. Social media posts pointed to a possible reason for the crash at the Rainbow Bridge in Niagara Falls. And the update was that terrorist attack confirmed, read the edited caption on a November 22nd Facebook post that initially had said police were approaching this as a terrorist attack. Another Facebook post included a screenshot of a headline about the Rainbow Bridge explosion with the caption, Confirmed Attempted Terror Attack per FBI. Similar crayons were also on TikTok. And what we found is that the people still were believing that it wasn't until 11.30 or later that day when the FBI said the crash was not linked to any terrorist activity and that one went away. And one more, just, just today. 
Police departments across the country are sharing details about a new feature in a recent Apple iOS 17 update. The feature is called Name Drop, which Apple says allows users to quickly share contact information with a nearby iPhone or Apple Watch by bringing them close together. According to many police departments, this feature is defaulted on after making the update. Officers are warning parents to change these settings on their children's phones to keep them safe. But Apple officials say, no, that can't be happen. The contacts can't be shared unless you want to do the sharing. You have to choose it. And then, and, and the name drop cancels if the two devices are moved away from each other. And then the iPhone becomes locked before any transfer competes. So those are just three examples of what happens in social media and conspiracy theories and so forth. And we'll now turn it over to our guest um, expert today, Lisa Inucci, from uh, the Guggenheim Library at Monmouth University. Go ahead. Sure. Okay. Um, uh, this is, do you want me to just start with social media? I can sure. talk about that. Sure. Okay. So um, I actually this morning saw an interesting reporting, and this is, is relating to um, anti-vaccine uh, propaganda and conspiracy theories. People in the last few months, uh, there's a trend now to not vaccinate your dog for the same reason that people are resisting vaccines and humans. Um, and partially as a result of that, partially as a result, they think of just uh, – being isolated during COVID and not building up immunity, there's uh. been an outbreak of a terrible virus that they're not quite sure what it is that's killing dogs. Mm -hmm. um, and they're also seeing, um, you know, the triple threat of several several viruses and infections happening at once, and dogs are getting severe respiratory illness and, and having to be hospitalized right. um, in, in pretty significant numbers. Um, so it's not a direct link, but it certainly um, is something to be careful about because, you know, if you don't build up immunity, um, it makes your body vulnerable to other uh, illnesses mm -hmm. at the same time, as we know. Yeah, yeah so. Right. so now in terms of, uh, well, let's talk about misinformation and multiple platforms and social media, message boards, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. What can our, our listeners look for when uh, they're talking about social media okay well it, it it's tricky it depends on what type of social media that you use um if you are old people like like me um you know people are pretty much on facebook and uh facebook has had a pretty sketchy record as far as uh vetting the information that it puts out um mm -hmm. and as we know they accepted advertising from nefarious actors during the 2016 election right. uh they changed their policy uh during 2020 but now they've gone back on that again and said well yeah we're just going to accept all all this different advertising and we don't really uh we're not really going to vet it too carefully so uh be on the look lookout for the same types of misinformation be very careful when uh you see something that raises your blood pressure that's when you need to consider um what is the agenda behind the story who's who's putting it out what is, what is their purpose um, and, and just step back and try to find the source of it. Because, again, the tactic is to get you upset, um, to get you going. And it, it, also they try to feed it to people who they think are already going to be receptive uh -huh. to it. Now, let's, let's, when you talk about the source, let's say that our average listener right now, I think a lot of them do Facebook. Uh, my mm -hmm. wife uses Facebook a lot. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know if she ever passes on news or anything like that, but I expect a lot of our listeners would have that sort of thing occur. But let's, how can we really have them look for a source? What do we mean by that? Okay, well, there's a couple of different things you can do. Um, there's uh, what's called um, the SIFT method is a new thing that this guy, Mike Caulfield, who is a professor at University of Washington, has um, come up with. And it, it involves basically going back to the original source. And so what you can do is pull the key information from an article um, and Google it using Google News. Um, when you get your search results, if you notice at the top of the screen, there are different tabs, and one of them says uh, uh, just regular results, and one of it says news. And if you click over to news, um, if it is a story that is actually in the news, it will pop up on other uh, outlets. If it is not, and you don't see any other coverage of it, that's when you need to be suspicious. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's things like that, where you just do your own um, very simple keyword searching. And, and keyword again is just pulling a something out of a sentence that you think is going to give you a result. Mm-hmm. Um, fact, like now, if you're ordering a pizza, you you or you Google pizza, yeah. you know things like that. Yeah. Now, fact check and Politifact are two good sources, right? Two good resources. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Um, Factcheck.org and and Politifact. Uh, Politifact focuses more on politics. Um, when you judge by the, the name of it. Um, but they, are bo- they both have been very good um, in highlighting stories and going in depth to see where they come from and, and, and talking about, again, what is the agenda behind it? What is the goal of this? Because there's always a goal. It's not just random. I mean, people right. um, do believe random things, but uh, more and more we're seeing that it is coordinated. Right. And one of the things I now do almost every day is all sides. What if you could mention something about that? Right, yes, all sides. Um, And so that is a rating system. And you can actually go in and look at different media outlets. And, um, you know, they've they've placed their own ranking um, on it, uh, on these outlets. Um, And then they allows you to kind of go through and um, see for yourself and put your own rating in there. And it'll say, most users rate this or disagree with our rating on this, or or they agree on this. And it's things like, uh, you know, everything from something that is pretty well known to be uh, polarizing, such as, you know, Breitbart on one side or like a Daily Coast or something on the other, which is very, mm-hmm. you know, left wing. Um, and then in the middle. Um, and so uh, it's ironically, you look at it and most people agree on the uh the scale uh, that is in the middle, um, you know, with things like as we talked about BBC last week and um, Wall Street Journal is another one that most people respect. So um, it's it's very interesting and uh, it's a good way to sort of uh, develop your awareness of, you know, what news sources are you consuming and what um, how they are considered by uh, news reporters and um you know, information scientists. How, how do you rate daily costs? I, I've been reading that for years, but how do you rate it? Um, I have. It, I think I don't think it is it is radically left wing. I definitely think it is it is not in the center whatsoever. It is it is definitely to the left. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's more considered really not a news resource it's more of a of like a blog such as you mm-hmm. know on the other side of the fence we have uh you know a drudge report and whatnot where they're just oh, pulling yeah. stories off the internet and everywhere and uh writing their own spin on it so that's more or less what right. daily coast does however yeah. um they do have columnists um and regular reporters that are on the paid staff 
Right. Um, and there's also a wonderful podcast that, that is done every day. That um, okay. So they go through stories in minute detail and discuss them. Right. Um, and so there are people that are trusted sources. David Neer, who covers elections, is considered a um, national expert on um, election science. So there are people there who are experts, but within the overall uh, umbrella of it, um, it, you know, it, it does have an it does have an angle. It does definitely right. have a left. left How about the, the crap test? Okay, so the crop test, that's an older one that we use in library world. And um, it's an acronym. Um, and you're basically just analyzing uh, different aspects of a story, uh, again, um, an, or a source. And how you would do that is go through and talk about, like, what is the, where, who's, who's spread it, who wrote the story, when did it come out, what is the purpose of it, um, who is the audience, um, and so the, the CRAAP is the acronym. That's considered kind of an older uh, method now that everybody's kind of pushing the new SIFT method that I talked about. Mm -hmm. But uh, CRAAP is also, you know, you'll still hear it quite a bit. And it's something that we use because it's kind of catchy. You know, people, the kids remember that. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's the same type of thing. And there's also a, a couple of really good tools that have come out um, that people have probably seen um, that really goes into detail. There's a, um, a whole long thing of considering who benefits, who, you know, all of these questions. And of course we don't have time to do that every single time you read it and oh, right. a story. Yeah. Um, but you, you do have a place to go when you, when your alarm bells go off right. and that's really how you should use it. Yeah. And I think the, uh, that phrase alarm bells goes off. I think that's something very good to remember uh, as people are reading news or whatever resource they're doing at this point. Now, the FBI reported in 2019 domestic terror threats um, that conspiracy theories are the new domestic terror threat. Let's talk about conspiracy theories for a moment. Sure. Um, well, you know, uh, as we know, every, every we've heard about this, and they've, they've been around, you know, pretty much it's an age-old thing. It's not anything that is... Um, new at all. Uh, people always like to explain complicated things in easy language because the world is complicated. The, uh, events are complex and they are often uh, random. You know, things mm -hmm. come out seemingly come out of the blue. And um, our human, it, uh, the, the tendency of a human being is to try to simplify things and make it acceptable to, to yourself. And especially this happens when there's an absence of information, such as during COVID, where mm -hmm. you literally don't know a lot of the details. So people start coming up with simple explanations. And often these simple explanations can be, um, you know, some really convoluted uh, stories, such as the Pizzagate conspiracy theory, right. which, you know, we may or may not want to get into. Um, but it's basically that it's 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 being afraid of something, being disturbed by something, and then trying to come up with a simple explanation for it when it's actually complex. And uh, obviously, we know today, you know, if we're looking right now in terms of the, the Jewish Palestinian Hamas problem, in terms of what is happening in colleges and universities and in the, in the marketplace, in terms of um, um, anti-Semitic rallies and anti-Palestinian rallies and so forth. Uh, let's talk about that for a moment. What can people start start looking and try to find some of the... How can they find some truthful things, do you think? Uh, um, I have seen a couple a couple of really good ones that, that uh, um, you'll see even, I think, on all sides is Al Jazeera. It is a really fantastic resource. Mm -hmm. um, it's based out of the Middle East, but, but don't let that name throw you because their reporting is very... 
fact-based um and they are considered a pretty mainstream outlet mm. they're doing really good reporting i would say um haaretz which is based in israel however it is also a um very considered a very reliable and authoritative source it does not have an agenda mm-hmm. so those are the two that i have really seen and heard talked about i am by no means a middle east expert but those two sources have been around for quite a long time yeah i so, think for most of us we don't feel that we're experts on the situation we're just sitting back and trying to say well what's going to happen what do we want to have happen um, i think you you had noted a book to me in one of your emails and i've got that coming in um, on, on the history of the, the, the Jewish conflict and so forth. And I'll be looking forward to seeing what that says. Um, yes. The, um, okay, fringe and debunked ideas and junk science. <laughs> boy, junk oh, science boy. all over the place. <laughs> yeah. So, well, uh, what what's, uh, happens with that is a lot of times, um, you know, to counteract the fact that there are actually science, there is science and there are experts and there are accepted facts, the, uh, you know, the conspiracy theory world has now decided that they need to come up with their own, you know, their own facts and their own experts instead of, you know, facts are facts and they and they are accepted and they're neutral. Yeah. So uh, they come up with, uh, you know, they'll have a scientist on who's maybe a scientist, but that's not their area of expertise. Um, you know, so you'll have like a climate scientist talking about a vaccine or vice versa. Um, and, uh, you know, just the, the inherent value of someone being an, being a scientist is not that, that they're a scientist and they have a degree. It's that they're, they have the expertise and they believe in the facts right. and can um, verify these facts based on uh, the study that they've done. Yeah. So it's, it's belief in science as opposed to just having a degree next to right. your name. Now, I've got another topic to talk about, and that is mm-hmm. polling. I noticed this morning, and, and for the for almost every day now, CNN, which we're often looking at when I'm uh, reading the morning paper and having breakfast, and, uh, and they always have some kind of a poll on. And today, the polling seemed to be, well, 50% are saying Biden's too old. 50% are saying he's, too, he's, he's not trustworthy or talking about what young people are going to vote for and so forth. And mm-hmm. some I read somewhere that said, you know, maybe, maybe these types of shows should not be dealing with polling so much. And I'm wondering what you where you put the whole idea of polling, and what your thoughts are in polling, and how much should sure. we trust polls and that sort of thing. Well, um, again, uh, you know, polling used to be a very neutral thing, and it was just done to gather public opinion, and and over time. Uh, candidates have hired their own pollsters. And once you have a pollster embedded in a campaign, then their agenda, of course, is to, uh, you know, ask questions in a leading manner that helps their candidates. So that's called yeah. push polling, where you, you mm-hmm. ask frame the question a certain way to make it sound better for your candidate. Now, um, another issue we have is the way polls are conducted traditionally is over the phone on a landline. And mm-hmm. as we know, uh, nobody has those anymore under a certain age. Yeah. Um, and what's great about these online polls like YouGov is that they do hit people uh, where they live on social media and they are able to gather data from young people but why these polls are so skewed is that they are not even hitting the young audience whatsoever Uh. Um, and so uh, it's very misleading to see that you know young people are disagreeing this that and the other when in reality they're probably Uh. not even being asked they're probably not even included in the Uh polls so you have to be really careful with those types of polls right now over two podcasts we've talked about a lot of things 
and I want to be able to kind of give you a way a, a couple of minutes just to conclude. Sure. Uh, if you were talking to a group of let's say, <clears throat> excuse me, about fifty people, various age groups, but mostly say over thirty, and up to say seventy, and you're saying mm -hmm. to these people, "This is what I'd like you to think about when you're doing uh, looking for news." Mm -hmm. uh, and using social media and so forth. This is what I'd like to say to you. So go ahead and pontificate <laughs> for a moment. Sure, <laughs> sure. Um, well, you know, uh, as I've discussed Facebook already, um, I, I think it's pretty self-evident that the Twitter slash X is, is fading out quickly and we don't have to go into that discussion. Mm -hmm. But in general with social media, uh, remember that these companies are in business to uh, uh, make money. They are not in the business of, of news. It's it's entertainment. And so right. they ser serve up whatever they think will keep you clicking. And as we know, what keeps people clicking is things that upset them. And that opens the whole the door to disinformation, mm -hmm. misinformation. So it's a pretty steep, you know, slippery slope um, of things that can just get out, spiral out of control. So just be aware um, and, and think about, uh, you know, when you read something, think about it before you share it. Stop and think about it. Also, um, another thing that you can do to counteract uh, when you see a story that, that doesn't sound right um, and you see it traveling amongst your friend group, um, what they've done with campaigns have had success with is this thing called relational organizing, where you speak with people who you already know and are, are trusted voices in your community, friends or relatives. Mm -hmm. And um, they find that doing that and, and, you know, encouraging people to vote or whatever uh, is effective um, and it, as opposed to just wagging your finger at somebody. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you are in a friend group on Facebook or, or you know, an email list or whatever, um, it, Talking to people on a friendly basis and, and just discussing it in, in a non-threatening way um, that not, does not make people defensive, um, it can be very effective. Okay, well, that's good. Now, what I want to suggest is this. Uh, we'll end it there for today, and I'm going to get in touch with you. There may be something down the line that we can deal with in terms of um, the census and politics and that sort of thing. So I'll sure. be in touch, Lisa. But in the meantime, I want to thank you very much for sharing your expertise with us. I'm making sure that everybody knows how they can get to the, your websites in terms of all the information that's there. And I really appreciate Great. this. And thanks again, Lisa. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.